If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. I'll be honest with you, I thought several times over the past few weeks, Donald, what would you, what would be the first message that you would want to share upon re-entry into this beautiful facility? This sanctuary that has been three years in design and construction, this temple that has been longed for by everyone in this room after we many of you had come through such a tragedy in the past this building that we have now been displaced from for a little over two months our last service here was on March 15th as some have put it and I find it very appropriate welcome home it's a little different but we are in the house of God today can someone give the Lord some praise come on let's give him some praise hallelujah But what is the number one cry of our heart today on this great day? And I think it's found in John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore unto Philip, which was one of the disciples, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Say that with me. We want to see Jesus. One more time. We want to see Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we come before you right now thanking you for the wonderful atmosphere, the sweet, sweet presence of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, as we come to this time of the breaking of the bread of life, would you just impart the word into our spirit, into our heart, into our soul? Give us not only ears to hear, but hearts to receive what it is that the Spirit is desiring to say to the church. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you for all these blessings and your anointing. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Tucked away in this passage of Scripture, these, it just seems like these verses can almost be passed over. It's a group of people that we don't hear a lot about, know a lot about. We asked the question this morning, who were the Greeks? Why so late in the life of Jesus on the earth do we see these called the Greeks inquiring about Jesus? I mean, he's just completed his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The chief priests are conspiring against Jesus to have him crucified. And then almost randomly, here comes these Gentiles from the upper class, 
And they're asking to have some time with the Lord. We want to see Jesus. Now, this will not be the last time you see the Greeks. As a matter of fact, this would be the springboard. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the synagogue, the Greeks believed. In Acts 17, 4, in Thessalonica, in a synagogue, the Bible says, A great multitude of the Greeks believed. In Acts 18 and 4, Paul reasoned in the synagogue and persuaded many Greeks. Acts 19 and 10, for two years, Paul would preach the word to the Greeks. In fact, it got Paul into some hot water with the religious leaders in Acts chapter 21 and 28 because he brought Greeks into the temple for which he would subsequently be persecuted. In fact, Paul became so compassionate, or so passionate rather, about reaching those in the non-Jewish community that he declared in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, he said, I am a debtor to the Greeks. I owe a great debt to the Greeks. And it all started in John chapter 12 when these Greeks approached a disciple of Jesus and they said, we want to see Jesus. Now this should not come as a surprise because in reality all came seeking Jesus. The rich and the poor came looking for him. The famous, the educated, the illiterate sought Jesus out. It didn't matter the social class. They were looking for Jesus. They came from the city. They came from the country. They came from the township, the hillsides, and the deserts, and the seashores. They all came to see Jesus. Shepherds left their flocks to come to his cradle. Wise men came from the east to bring him priceless gifts. Children played at his feet and sat on his lap. Tax collectors left their extortion business. Why? So they could simply follow after Jesus. Prostitutes put their racy lifestyles behind them and poured their perfume in worship on the one they found whose name was Jesus. I mean kings desired audiences with Jesus. The common man sat spellbound listening to Jesus. They came in crowds and even by the masses or they came alone by the nighttime like Nicodemus. Uh, even solo though, they came to Jesus and he never turned them away. One time the crowd was so big, the Bible says he pushed out in a fishing boat and used the bow of the boat as a pulpit. Another time his mother and his brothers could not get to him because of the press of the crowd because everyone wanted to have an encounter with Jesus. He could not be hidden at the well. He could not be hidden in the marketplace, on the desert, in the desert, or on the seed. They all came looking for Jesus. They pressed into crowds and through crowds to touch him. They climbed trees if they had to to see him. They tore open roofs just so they could get to him. And when they were told to be silent, they cried out the more, Jesus thou son of David have mercy upon us. I began to ask myself the question this week and 
if all came seeking Jesus, then why were they seeking Jesus? Well, the first thing I want to tell you was that they came seeking Jesus because of his teaching. I mean, they're filled with wonder at his gracious words that flowed from his mouth. Now, don't, don't, don't miss this. In that day, there were, there were many teachers. There were many rabbis. There were many scholars. If you wanted to hear about the Mosaic Law, there were several. There was plenty that could school you on the Mosaic Law. But there was something about this man named Jesus. He taught differently. And, and the Bible says they, they said this man teaches as someone that has authority. And one said like this, never have we heard a man speak like this man. And, and I want you to know today that Jesus touched the heart and he also touched the mind. He wasn't just full of information, but when people heard him, it led to transformation. It led to radical change. You see, the Old Testament laws was what regulated the moral and the civil and the religious life in the nation of Israel. It was and is still very important to them. As a matter of fact, back in March when I was privileged to be in the nation of Israel, we spent our time at the Wailing Wall. There was a large uh, auditorium-like room that was right next to the Wailing Wall. And if you walked into that room, you would find faithful Jewish men. And you would find them in, in all, of their, all of their garb and their regalia. And they would, be, they would be sitting and rocking back and forth. And they would be reading and praying the Torah. They would be reading and praying the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, because they are so the Jewish. Jewish people are so committed uh, to the law. But the law, my friend, was never meant to save man. But it was simply meant to measure man and to let man know that man needed a savior. Can I tell you today, I revere the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are still part of the laws that God wants us to live by. But I also want you to know the Ten Commandments cannot save you. But how many of you know it was the Ten Commandments? Commandments through a preach word, through a song, through the prayers of our mother. It was the Ten Commandments that were part of the convicting tool that let us know that we were sinners that needed a, a Savior. I want to tell you today, Jesus has came along with greater words. And he said this, he said, I came not to destroy the law, but that through me the law might be fulfilled. I heard Roger Daniels say one time, he said the Jews' teaching was speculation, but Jesus' teaching was revelation. But that wasn't the only reason why people came looking to the Lord. That wasn't the only reason why the Greeks came looking and saying, we want to see Jesus. It wasn't just his words, but it was also another reason they wanted to see him was his power, his demonstrated power. Oh, they were arrested by his teaching and his preaching, but they were marveled at his his power. They would see his miracles and they would say this, we have never seen it on this fashion before. They, they would behold his healings and they would make this declaration that he does all things well. Anyone touching the hem of his garment in faith were made whole. I'm telling you, in the midst of disease, he was healing. In the midst of death, he was life. In the midst of despair, he was 
was hope. In the midst of darkness, he was light. That's why John 1, 4 said these words, in him was life, and he became the light of man. Oh, let me tell you, this came to my spirit this week. He began his ministry 40 days in the wilderness by being hungry, yet he is the bread of life. He ended his ministry by being thirsty on a cross, and yet he is the living water. He was weary, and yet there are many times that he has become our rest. He paid tribute, and yet he is the king of kings. He was accused of being demon-possessed, and yet he cast out demons. He wept, and yet he wipes away all of our tears. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, and yet he redeemed the world. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and yet he is the good shepherd. He died, but by his death, he destroyed the power of death. I'm telling you, while the Jewish community was looking for another sign, the Greeks say, we want to see something greater than a sign. We want to see Jesus. While the Jews were looking for a miracle, they said, we want to meet the miracle maker. I'm telling you, I came to church today for one express purpose, and that is to have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. So people came looking because they wanted to hear his words. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They also came looking for him because they wanted to see his manifested power. Can I tell you today, the world is still asking, where is Jesus? We want to see Jesus. They don't want our religion. Come on now, somebody help me. They're not moved by our denominational names and symbols. They still want his words. They're not moved by our homiletics that give some history lesson about a good man. They don't want the latest social talk, the feel-good speech, or the inspirational lecture. Oh, I feel a meddlesome spirit coming on. We got those a dime a dozen in pulpits across our land. They're giving motivational speeches, but the world's not interested in motivational speeches. They want to hear what thus saith the Lord God Almighty. They do not want the latest political platform. They want to know where Jesus is. They want to know where are his words that can deliver them and save them to the uttermost. They want to know where are the words of this man that they can hide in their heart that they might not sin against God. They want the words of Jesus that will shine upon their path and lead them to eternal life. I'm telling you, this world is still looking to hear the powerful teaching and preaching the words of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when we begin to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, the Lord has a way of coming along and reminding us that our opinion really doesn't matter at all. What matters is the opinion of the one that is 
living inside of us. And when we encounter people, our opinions won't change them. Our perspective won't change them. But let me tell you, when they meet the Jesus inside of us, it can bring not just revelation, but it can bring transformation that can turn their world upside down. Well, praise the Lord. Not only are they looking for his words, but they still want his power. The world is still wanting to encounter the power of Jesus. Paul wrote it like this. I came not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and in power. You know why he could write that? Because he lived by a motto. You know what his motto was? I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> it's not abstract. It's not theoretical. It's real. It's practical. I thought this week, there are times I wonder if we ought to just spend the majority of our time preaching and teaching about the one named Jesus. His name, Jesus. His salvation, Jesus. His healing power, Jesus. His Holy Ghost baptism, Jesus. His preaching and teaching, Jesus, his authority and the reality that he, Jesus, is coming again. And he's going to receive us unto himself that where he is, there we may be also. What are you going to say to the people coming back into the house of God? I'm going to say the same thing we've been saying all along. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by him. He is the way. Without Jesus, there is no going. He is the truth. Without Jesus, there is no knowing. He is the life. Without Jesus, you have no life. You're dead in trespasses and sins. What you need is a good old-fashioned dose of Jesus Christ. And he, he alone can set you free and give you victory in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that I've got the going and the knowing and the living. And as we re-enter or re-enter this beautiful space that God has given to us, May we state with confidence they will not be coming for our decor. They will not be coming for our music, for our programs, for our charisma. They will not be coming because of our declaration of faith or because we've got a symbol on a sign or on top of a building. We may bait and attract with many different things, but when it's all said and done, they're coming through the doors saying, we want to see Jesus. Will we find him here? I'm not angry this morning. I'm just passionate. My Lord, I've been preaching to a camera. I 
I've been preaching on a trailer. People have been saying, oh, Lord, he's going to get too close to the edge and roll down the hill. Let me tell you, I'm on flat ground today. I'm going to square my shoulders. I'm walking on flat ground with square shoulders. Look every one of your live bodies in the body and, and those on the camera and tell you Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And no matter what social gospel is put out there, there is only one way, one truth, and one life. You need Jesus if heaven's going to be your home. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. I told someone before service, I'm going to preach for two and a half hours. They said, go for it. And I said, I ain't got that much wind in me. Will they find Jesus at the Pulaski Church of God? Tony, if they're on this stage to be seen, and it's not the Jesus being seen through them, sit them down. You got my permission. Come on now. It has always been and it will always be about the Jesus living inside of us. Greeks did not ask for a guided tour of the temple, even though with Herod's help it had become the, one of the marvels of the known world. Got one of my former members here this morning from Richmond. Dear God, she decided she wanted to come hear me again. Lord, help us all. But Joni knows as well as anybody in this room, there's a hospital in Richmond, and it's called St. Francis. Been there several times to visit people. And when I would walk in to St. Francis, every single time I was captured by the beauty the foyer in this hospital, I haven't seen one before and I haven't seen one since. Waterfalls and wall decor, and I would just, wow. It was almost like a museum coming into that hospital. Remember it many, many times. Well, one day, and it came to my spirit again this week, the thought hit me. Do the patients really care how beautiful that hospital is? They want to know one thing. When I walk up in this museum foyer and I get end up in a room somewhere, I want to know it no matter how beautiful it is downstairs. Do you have a cure for my disease? Do you have a healing for my sickness? Let me tell you, when it's all said and done, we've got been blessed with a beautiful 21st century facility and all the bells and whistles and all the things and amenities we can offer. But when it's all said and done, people walking through that door could care less how nice this place is. They want to know is the healer in the house. 
Jesus there. We want to see Jesus. God, help us to encounter Jesus. So don't be backwards. Somebody asked me this week, Pastor, during this phase one, if you go over 50%, is somebody going to be standing at the door to turn that 271st person away? Absolutely not. We'll add services upon services upon services as needed. We will be spent sharing the words and the power of Jesus. You got to run out of here. You got to run out of here like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You got to tell the neighbors like she did come meet a man who told me all things which I've ever done. Is this not the Christ? Yeah, you got to run out of here and you got to be a Philip and find your Nathaniel and tell him about Jesus and when they respond with pessimism and cynicism and they ask the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth or is there any good thing happening at that church you say you go to? And you simply look at him and say, why don't you come and see? <laughs> Woo! Why don't you just come and see? Because I'm looking at people that were saved in these altars. I'm looking at people that have been healed in these altars. Hallelujah. I'm looking, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm looking at people that have had your marriage restored in these altars. You've had your families put back together in these altars. I'm telling you, there is no other name given under heaven whereby man can be saved except the name of Jesus. Somebody needs healing. We don't have anything to offer but this. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and they find their healing. I'm telling you, demons are subject to the name of Jesus. Disease has to go in the name of Jesus. There is no obstacle that the power of Jesus cannot overcome. Vance Havner put it like this. He said, Jesus is all we have and Jesus is all we need. And Jesus is all we want. That's that last part that catches us. Bless God, I'm a child of God. Is Jesus all you want? I'd like a little more money. I'd like for my spouse to be a little easier to get along with. I'd like for my boss to be replaced. Maybe if you go hard after Jesus, some of them things will take care of themselves. Maybe your spouse is grumpy because you need more of Jesus. We're quick to say they need more of Jesus. I'm telling you, I need more of Jesus. Amen, Sandra? Amen. She's about to shout over there. She's liable to cut the rug here in a moment. He finally confessed it. He needs more of the Lord than what he has right now. We need his words. We need his power. 
Again, Vance Havner said, Jesus is all we have, and Jesus is all we need, and Jesus is all we want. He said, we are shipwrecked in God and stranded on omnipotence or power. Shipwrecked. Well, wouldn't you just love for the Lord to just wreck your life? Wouldn't you just love for the Lord to just begin to amaze you with things you never dreamed possible? I'm giving you the answer to find that to happen. And that is when you make Jesus your daily number one priority. When you, when you sit down and open that blessed book and say, I want to hear Jesus. When you get down in that closet or you go on that prayer walk and you say, Lord, I just want to see you. The Greeks gave us the essence, the desire that should be in every person's heart. We want to see Jesus. Some of y'all want a hug. You just want a hug. I know you want a hug. I've got, I've got spirit, very spiritual huggers in this house. I've got people that literally have gotten emotional because they can't give a hug right now. And maybe you came today and you said, you know what? I'm going to sneak me a hug from somebody. Somebody got me before service. Here I am, I'm trying to do the courtesy thing and not do the handshake thing and doing all this, hands in the pocket and everything else. And one person walks up and you say, I'm a hugger. They care, they care less about the coronavirus. Slap their arms all around me. My priority today. Love the new song, but I didn't come for the new song. Love seeing your smiling faces. But I didn't come to see your smiling faces. I want to know, is Jesus still in the house at Pulaski? Now, last time I checked, eight weeks ago, I mean, you could honk your horn, then you couldn't honk your horn. Then I was in here with 10 people, and I had to stare at a camera. Didn't know if you were saying amen, or I wish he'd be, hurry up and be quiet. Some of you probably ate your Fruit Loops while you were watching your preacher on live stream. But the last time I was in this room with you, the last time I checked, we were Pentecostal. We still believe in the demonstration of the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what it's been like for you. My life has not been near as challenging, I'm sure, as some of your lives have been. People in this room and watching me right now, their whole dynamic has changed. They've gone from two incomes to one income. They've got, they're in furlough status. They're drawing unemployment. They're doing their best because they have children that are that could be subject to some of this. There's all kinds of things that have, that have affected, some would even say wrecked our lives over the last two months. But you that are watching this service via live stream, I'm going to dare you. And people that are sitting in this sanctuary, I'm going to dare you. If you want an encounter 
with Jesus. If that is the passion of your heart, I want you to stand and raise both hands. And I want you to cry aloud and spare not. I want you to lift your voice like a trumpet. Hallelujah. I've never read where there was an exception for introverts. What I read is clap your hands, all you people shout unto God with a voice of triumph. What I read is cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpeter would and send your sounds into the heavens. All over this place from left to right, from front to back, you say, you know, no matter what's going on around me, I need a fresh encounter with Jesus. I need his words. I need his power. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. Come on, take it up a notch right now. We want to see Jesus. I feel like waves of glory rolling across this room right now. Come on, don't quench the spirit. Just indulge yourself in the presence of the king right now. Holy Ghost, have your way. Holy Ghost, have right where they're standing, Lord. Would you send down tongues of fire and let it settle upon every one of them? Come on, worship him. Worship him. It's been a while since some of you have experienced a breakthrough. The cares of life have weighed you down. To worship him. Come on. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. God, I've got to have you. My babies have got to have you. My grandbabies have got to have you. Jesus, I need you to make it through this season. I need you like I've never needed you before. right now. Come on, one more time. Give the Lord the highest praise. Come on, all over this house. Magnify the Lord. Devil, you can't have my praise. You lost my soul a long time ago. You're not 